Industry and commerce may bring wealth to a country, but the character of a nation is formed by other factors. Race, language, religion, culture and tradition all have some contribution to make. And when I think of the diversity of these factors in Canada today and the achievements that have grown from their union, I feel proud and happy to be queen of such a nation. The Queen speaking back in 1957 on a visit to Canada, one of 22 as Queen, one of 23 total. Uh, the Queen's attachment to the Commonwealth is well known. Her attachment to this country was unmistakable. She visited here again 23 times, uh, beginning in 1957 with those words you just heard. When she and the Duke of Edinburgh made a four-day visit to Holland, Ottawa, where they officially opened that fall session of Parliament all the way back in 1957, she would return for a six-week tour of all provinces and territories just a few years later in 1959. And she came back for some of the biggest events in our history, Expo 67, the Montreal Olympics in 1982 to sign the Proclamation of the Constitution Act, the 125th anniversary of Confederation, the Commonwealth Games in Victoria, finally a nine-day trip with Prince Philip in 2010. The Prime Minister said today the Queen had a, quote, obvious, deep and abiding love and affection for Canadians. Well, joining me now to look at her relationship with our country and our relationship with her is Keith Roy of the Monarchist League of Canada. Thanks so much for your time tonight. No, thanks for having me, Ben. I guess just your initial reaction. I think we, um, this morning, I think we understood that she was in ill health, in poor health. Um, but she was, we just watched images of her with Liz Truss, the new British Prime Minister, the other day, and it all seemed quite sudden. It's, it's quite remarkable that uh, she, she worked until her last day, had a job she loved. Uh, she performed that job admirably, uh, passed away at uh, the old age of 96, and, and did so at, um, at a beloved home uh, at Balmoral with her family around her. Uh, we, can, we could all be so lucky to live such a meaningful life and have it come to such a, a perfect ending. What was your reaction when you heard? I know this is something close to you. Yeah, you know, it, it's obviously a, a personal sadness. I have a, a deep affection for Her Majesty, as as many Canadians do and people around the world. Um, I've, I've never heard anyone have an ill word to say about uh, the Queen personally, um, taking the institution aside. So uh, she's just a beloved figure. And it's also a day of you know, celebrating a, a life very, very well lived. Uh, you know, we, we could all be so lucky to, to have uh, a job we love and a, and a family that we're close to and, and to be so committed with such a sense of duty. Um, her, her steadfast duty in her role is it's, it's just so admirable. Um, so there's a lot to, you know, there's a, there's a great life to celebrate and, um, and a loss to mourn all at the same time. She was more than a figurehead here in many ways, though I know, like many people around the world, who, some with, who don't even have a close relationship or a close fondness of the monarchy, had a very close affection or a lot of affection for the queen herself. She seemed to be, in, to be able to embody both those things, especially later in her life. What's, what's been interesting, I've been listening to a lot of news reports today and people calling in and sharing their personal anecdotes. And at the, at the top of this, you were talking about all the visits she's made to Canada and British Columbia. We actually don't, we don't call those visits, we call them tours, because the Queen is as Canadian as you and I. Uh, King Charles is as, he's the personification of Canada 
uh, now. And she was the personification of Canada for 70 years. And her interaction with people uh, indicated that she cared deeply about that role. She wanted to be part of this country. She felt like she was part of this country. She, she engaged with people. Uh, she, she never, you know, think about all the engagements over all the years and all the royal tours in Canada. She never once looked aloof or disinterested. She was always there. She was always engaged. And, and she really wanted to be part of our nation. And, and she was. Did you get a chance to see her? I uh, had the opportunity to meet the Queen twice, um, once on a rope line in Toronto uh, and another time at what was effectively a state dinner in 2010 uh, in Toronto at the Royal York. I was I was presented as one of the guests uh, waiting in line and I turned the corner. I handed my my name card to her aide de camp who shouts out, Your Majesty, Mr. Keith Roy. And I walk forward and I, I meet Prime Minister Harper and then I do the protocol bow for the queen and she offers her hand which i take and i look up and she's standing there in this just a splendid gown she's got the maple brooch which is her you know her canadian jewelry uh, and she's wearing the diamond tiara which is not quite as heavy as the crown but it shines quite bright because those are real diamonds and uh, she had this aura about her and it's everything you imagine a queen to be and she she truly was a queen and she knew it she conducted herself accordingly, quietly in the background, gently prodding prime ministers and privy councillors, uh, overseeing things, active, you know, active in the business of monarchy until the day she died. But she carried herself in a way that um, I've I've met a number of important figures in the world. Um, I've I've never met anyone. Um, I've, I've never met a woman. I've never met anyone who could carry themselves with with such poise, grace, power, and presence. What about the rope line? That's that sounds like an interesting encounter. Of course, I've seen as a, as a correspondent, I used to have to see the Queen quite often, but always from a distance at Canada House in um, in London, for instance. And I was saying earlier in the show that one of the things that always struck me is it didn't matter who was around. So you'd have a whole bunch of people, either people would show up, for instance, there'd be tourists around Trafalgar Square, and they would all sort of see the cameras and say, oh, what's happening? And you'd be like, well, the Queen is arriving to to open Canada House or or, or some such and everyone would be talking away and talking and talking. And the moment she got out of the car, everything stopped. Yeah, the whole place the, went the, quiet. The rope line was at the opening of the Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto. Yeah. And her and Prince Philip were, uh, they were such a great tag team. They were walking separate sides of the rope line. And she was on the other side from the one I was on. And a, a young girl standing next to me had some flowers for the queen. And Prince Philip worked the rope line faster than she did. He, he was always a couple steps ahead on the rope line and, and he saw this little girl with flowers and he went back and he crossed to the other side and he got her. He's like, love, love, you have to come over here and get these. And he brought the queen back over in front of us so she could take the flowers from this little girl. And, and she, you know, she did so graciously and passed them off to her lady in waiting, said a, said a kind word to the little girl and went back to her side of the line. But they were, they were such a great tag team. And to watch her over the last you know year and a half, two years without, Without him by her side, you could see the, and then, you know, on top of that, the, the COVID restrictions, you could see that, that her health was failing and, and she was struggling with some of the events and the mobility issues, but she lost her, she lost her tag team partner. And, you know, we can take some comfort in the fact that, you know, today she's reunited with him and 
whatever spiritual world she finds herself and and she's at peace yeah, that was always one of something that people would talk about because, you know, as consort, he always had to be a few steps behind her when she was performing royal duties uh, often. But in life, they really were, you know, two peas in a pod in many ways. And you're right. I mean, the sight of her at his funeral, um, you felt for her in the last few years. Yeah, there was a, a, a funny anecdote for you. At, at that same dinner I was at in Toronto, um, the Prime Minister got up, gave a speech, and presented her with a Team Canada. Keeping in mind, 2010, we had just won the gold right. medal. He presented her with a Team Canada hockey jersey with the, the Royal Standard on it that was ultimately installed at the Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame. And when he did this, um, she kind of chuckled and laughed at the thought of being given a hockey jersey. And, and Prince Philip leaned over, and you could see him. He kind of ribbed her almost. And, and I saw him say the words, they think you're a hockey player. And they both had a, a, a good shuffle together, and she got up and, uh, you know, thanked the prime minister and, and enjoyed the display, obviously, because it was it was a very Canadian moment. I felt. Yeah, I mean, I mean, watching her at those events, you always thought, man, she she, she really knew how to. She knew what how to be. I know this sounds facile, but she knew how to be queen, and that's not an easy job. She did. I, she, as I said when I met her, I mean, she she was the queen, and she knew it. And she conducted herself accordingly, but she was still approachable, and you could still, you know, you could still relate to her. She's she's like everybody's grandmother, but she's still the queen. Um, it was a remarkable balance. She's she was able to to manage for seventy for seventy years at the same at the same role. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to imagine. Make I can just imagine that everything to do with the Monarchist League of Canada is built around her in many ways, right? I mean, it's essentially been a, at least in my lifetime, it's been a tribute to Queen Elizabeth II, and now suddenly it is no longer. It must be a bit. It must take time to sink in. Yeah, I, I I will say to to your listeners across the country that the system of government in Canada, the constitutional monarchy. Uh, which we have benefited from uh, since our inception as a country, um, is a very robust institution. And the crown itself uh, will remain. And the queen was the personification of the crown for so long and became intertwined with it. But as she leaves us and King Charles comes now, uh, the institution is strong. Our system of government is strong. Um, and our system of government that, that, again, that constitutional monarchy is one of the reasons that Canada is such a great country and all the rights and freedoms and structures that we enjoy is a result of that system of government. And it, to compare it, I mean, we can compare it directly to the American system, which is, which is fragile and dependent on the individual in the office, which, as we know these days, is, is divisive regardless of the party. And Canadians can unite behind the crown and have a political debate on the side. And the Queen did a good job personifying that, and Charles will continue that legacy. As her 12th Canadian Prime Minister, I'm having trouble believing that my last sit-down with her was my last. I will so miss those chats. Prime Minister Trudeau today, uh, his memories of Queen Elizabeth II, uh, someone he met as a child and then met again famously when he was older, saying that he had, uh, he had been, she had been much taller the first time they met and she quipped that uh, he was making her feel old. Um, she's a tough act to follow, uh, Keith Roy, 
I mean, it'll be tough, I think, for, for Charles to try to find his place in all this because she does leave such a great legacy. You know, we need, we need to remember that King Charles III is not Queen Elizabeth II, and he shouldn't be judged that way. She was her own figure. She is iconic, timeless. Uh, he will be a different individual with a different reign. It will obviously be much shorter. No one, um, no one has ever been better prepared to take over the throne than Charles. He was the longest serving monarch in waiting. His entire life has been schooled for this, and he's at a front row seat to one of the greats. So I think with time, um, he will find his footing, but he knows what's in front of him. He knows what's coming. And I think he'll perform admirably if people give him a chance. And the best way, the best way to honor the queen and her legacy is to do what she would have wanted, which is give our loyalty to her heir and the institution that she oversaw for so many decades. I mean, Charles also has vast knowledge of this country as well. He's been here a number of times, uh, including just recently. Uh, Again, he's someone who is in in all the years that he spent watching his mum work. He's also spent a lot of time visiting this country. Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet then Prince Charles at um, the opening of the Olympic Village in 2009. He came and unveiled a plaque with Camilla. And um, I was pleasantly surprised with how personable he was. He, he walked through the room. Um, he, had a, he had a drink in one hand. Uh, James Moore was in the heritage minister, was kind of guiding him through. And he walked through the room and he talked with everybody, shook everybody's hand. And when he was talking to you, he looked you straight in the eye and you felt like there was nobody else in the room. He was so good at it. And it was, it was notable because I've been around a lot of politicians and they, they all wish they had this skill. But he'd be talking to one person, he'd be shaking hands with the next person, looking them in the eye, he'd go back to the previous person, he'd leapfrog to the next one. Um, Much like his mother, he was inquisitive, he was interested, uh, and he was engaged in the in the event itself. And I was I was very impressed. And I, I think, you know, he had a bit of a tough time and a tough youth. He was he was the first member of the first heir apparent to ever kind of grow up in the spotlight. Right. There wasn't mm-hmm. a spotlight. Before. You know, Elizabeth didn't have to really grow up in much of a spotlight. And he grew up in quite a bright one. And so there was no playbook for that. Whereas we had the playbook for William because we saw it with Charles. And so William was raised a little bit differently. But Charles was kind of a, a test case for this. Um, but but in, in his latter years now, um, he's very well equipped to be our king. And, you know, God, God save the king. Yeah, and I think, and this is, um, you know, this, when I met them, I think people may be pleasantly surprised with how um, engaging Camilla can be as well. Oh, she was, she's wonderful. Um, I was, uh, much to your comment, I was very surprised with how engaging she was. She, um, she, had, she had no time for protocol. It was wonderful. I, I have a photo of me standing with my arm around her. And, and she like snuggled, like got rid of this like 10, 12, uh, like, yeah, 12, 13 years ago now. She like, came right in for a photo and arm around it, like things you would never think of doing with a member of the royal family. Um, and, and she has been a remarkable source of strength for Charles 
and will be a, a wonderful queen consort for him in, in helping him carry out his duties, much like we saw Prince Philip help the queen. That's a tough job to do alone. Um, and it's nice that he has, you know, quite frankly, he's got the love of his life with him. Like those two were always meant to be together and time just didn't allow it to happen. Keith Roy, we will be uh, watching a coronation before too, too long. Um, I hope to speak to you again. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks, man. Have a great night.